When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Um, thanks so much indeed for, for joining us and um, very warm welcome. Although some parts of the country are warmer than, than others, as Andy Dunn has just been telling us. Andy Dunn, my colleague from the Daily Mirror, Matt Dunn from Daily Express. Good morning, guys. Um, nice to be with you. Um, let, let's hope we can survive the snow. There's not too much of it here in London, but it is in the in, in the grim north. But but look, uh, I mean, there's so much to talk about this week, isn't it? What a crazy few days we've had, really. Um, the Manchester United fallout, um, looking ahead to some um, Europa uh, League action tonight, Arsenal back in action, you, you know, can United recover some some pride um, in their own campaign after their job in Anfield? But also, um, Tottenham's uh, Champions League exit on Wednesday night, I mean, devastating for Antonio Conte. What does that mean for the Tottenham manager's future? And also, indeed, for Harry Kane's future. Matt, we, we were both there, weren't we? So. Should we start from from the fallout from White Hart Lane? And what, what do you think it means for Antonio Conte? I mean, he's never backward in coming forward. And a lot of the back pages this morning suggesting that, that, that frankly, you know, he, he fears that or thinks he could be sacked even before the end of the season. Do you see that as a as a possibility? I think that's unlikely because I think he'll be given a chance. Well, depends how badly they'd fall off the chains for fourth. But uh, that's still on the agenda for Levy. Uh, and there's no point in making a change now, I don't think. Although they just seem to be coasting towards the end of the season. I mean, the one silver lining for Conte, um, getting knocked out last night, is he knows his season finishes on May the 28th, and he can get back to Italy as quickly as he wants, clearly wants to. Um, it's, it's a couple of weeks ago, um, probably a couple of months ago now, he said that he missed uh, you know, his home life and his family and their aspects of Italy. He was so open about that. But I don't think since then he's ever considered playing at Spurs beyond the end of the season. Uh, and I think that the squad know that. There were some quotes uh, in the mix zone last night to Brazilian television um, from Richarlison, who, um, who said that uh, he felt he'd been lied to effectively by Conte over his selection, told if he passed the fitness test, he'd play, and then found himself on the bench again. Um, he described you know, the whole situation as silly, uh, and, and said at the end of it, it felt like something, and he apologised for the word that he used, and I won't repeat it here. But those are quite outspoken comments for a player to make 
And, and they only do that when they're, they're determined that they're going to be gone in the summer or that they're pretty certain that the manager's going to be gone. Uh, and I think the whole atmosphere last night was just like dead men walking. It was, you know, Conte's on his last days at Spurs. Um, the Spurs players didn't, did hearts didn't seem in it. And uh, it was just a, a frightening capitulation, really, um, uh, of a side which 24 hours we were at Chelsea as well. The, the whole mood was completely different. Uh, and that's what Spurs are lacking at the minute. And, and yeah, it's just whether or not they can pull it together to hold on to both place or not. And, and I think Conte will be given a chance to do that. But but then I think it's um, Ariba Urchi. Yeah. Uh, Andy, the other thing that occurs to me is Harry Kane. You know, I mean, we, we, we all love Harry Kane, don't we? And But he's, he's been a phenomenal player for Tottenham. Loyal and, you know, breaking records, goal-scoring records for Tottenham. But his contract is up in, in 2024. You know, you could argue it's really crunch time, isn't it, this summer because he's only had 12 months left and does Spurs cash in? Does Harry Kane push to leave? You know, another season without trophies and he's never his his ambition to win silverware. Do you, what do you think? Do you think this has got serious implications for Kane? Well, no, not really. It hasn't got serious implications for Kane. You know, in, in, in the sense that it, it, it's, it's a question of what motivates him. You know, you say he hasn't won any trophies, and he won't win any trophies this season. Again, he hasn't won any trophies, full stop. Um, what he has done this season, become um, Tottenham's all-time um, goal, leading goal scorer, which he's extremely proud of, clearly very, very proud of, and they made a big deal of. He's had some new boots, remember the other day, he's got had a lot of boots um, made during his career. No medals, but a lot of boots. And he will also, he will also, don't forget, um, you would have, you would imagine that uh, before this month is up, there's a very good chance that he'll become England's all-time um, leading goal scorer. So he has achieved things. He has achieved personal things. It depends what motivates Harry Kane. You know, listen, he's, ha- he's in the sense that he must be happy at Spurs because he's been there a long time. He likes the club. He likes the environment. He likes the area. His family has settled in the area. All these things have to be taken into consideration. I just think it is too simplistic to turn around and says, to say, well, Harry Kane has to move to win medals. Well, yes, he probably does. But if that's, and he will always, he's never going to sit down in front of us and say, listen, you know, um, what drives me on is personal um, achievements in terms of goals scored, appearances made for this club, etc. He's always going to say, listen, what matters is the team. What matters is winning trophies. Any footballer's got to say that. They have to say that, let's face it. But deep down, does he think, well, you know, I'm happy here and... I don't want to leave. The, I don't want to leave the area. It, it, it's a tough one, but if you think, if he hit, if he does think to himself, right, I really do not want there to be a chance that I end my career in five, six years' time without winning a trophy. Then clearly, he has to think about leaving Tottenham either this summer or at the end of his contract, somewhere after. Simple as that. He 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 has to do that. He has to go to a club where there is a better guarantee. Of winning a trophy. Listen, Spurs might change the manager. They might buy some decent players in the summer. They might have, be able to have a, de- a crack next season, Ali. However, if he wants a better chance, then clearly he needs to move to somewhere such as, well, I mean, the, the chance to go to Man City has probably gone. Will Manchester United have a better chance of winning trophies than Spurs next season? Well, on the evidence of this season, yes, they've won the Carabao Cup already. They're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup as, as well. And they're well advanced in the Europa League, although clearly Kane will want to play Champions League and United will get that. 
So I don't think it's as simple as people say about Kane. I think it's a bit more nuanced. But yes, if he does want to have a better chance of winning major trophies, of winning any trophies, then he needs to lose Spurs. That's as simple as that. I refuse to believe that Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy will sell to Manchester United this summer. I just don't, I just don't believe it. I, I actually think you, you, you know, you're right in so many ways, Andy, and that basically I don't think anything on Kane's future is set in stone. You know, that, that's the issue. And basically, you know, all the, I, I do agree that lots of factors come into it. You know, the manager who, who's going to be in charge probably, uh, uh, say, so I do think it's a, it's a valid point. What surprised me, what surprised me was on Wednesday night was that the, the very limp way that Tottenham, you know, surrendered that that European place. I just thought thought they'd show more fight and heart, you know, and um, that would worry me. Well, you guys were there. I, I, I mean, you, you guys were there, and obviously I, I wasn't, and that actually does surprise me and, and sort of shock me a bit to see that they, they went out facing pretty much with, with a whimper. I would have thought it would have been, you know, it was only a one-goal deficit. You know, it, it's one of the great clubs of, of European football, and AC Milan coming coming onto your patch. You know, Danny Rose on the t- on the TV said, like, you know, it's it's great having a beautiful house, but if you know, there's no furniture in it. I mean, I'm not entirely sure there's the best um, metaphor ever, but you can you can see what he's saying. Yeah, you know, I mean, the Tottenham Stadium has, has been getting plaudits, you know, ever since it's been built, and and we hear more about Tottenham and concerts and Beyonce concerts that you know that are sold out that shouldn't be there, and other events are staged there. Um, but obviously, since then, in terms of, you know, does it generate the same sort of, um, the same sort of passion, the same sort of atmosphere, the same sort of electricity that, you know, listen, the old White Hart Lane did, then it doesn't sound like it does, but then that must have a lot to do also with the idea that the team is actually pretty much going nowhere. You know, since Pochettino was sacked and on the third manager, and they're just the same as, they're just exactly where they were when, you know, when he went three years ago, and of course they could go full circle, and he could be back. Yeah, that atmosphere, I, I think, is a is a bit of a red herring, simply because I do think that at well, the back end of last season, the atmosphere that the Spurs fans created for, for the Arsenal game when they rolled over there, or well, the rivals effectively got themselves in the Champions League that night was was sensational, as loud as anything, you know, fabulous, and they just didn't create. Create that, and I, I, I just think they're almost resigned to their fate, Spurs fans, because just don't think they they fancy it this season. And I don't know what what that means, Matt, for their top four chances and prospects this season, because I still think it's fifty fifty with Liverpool. But you know, and and then I guess you could argue that if Conte gets them in the Champions League again, then it's mission accomplished, job done, isn't it? But yeah, Conte um, could deliver fourth, and there's a possibility. I think Liverpool will fight harder for it. Than, than Arsenal did last season, um, but but I think this this weekend's game against Boris is going to be key because it is an absolutely must win for Spurs bouncing off that result. And if they can't pick themselves up for that and get going straight away again, then it's a sign that it is all just unraveling. And and there's a danger you can't afford to drop two or three match day rounds without picking up points because then Spurs will be out of contention. Uh, and I think they'll lose heart in, in chasing back for it. So, um, so no, I think we'll find out fairly quickly whether Spurs have got what it takes to to finish fourth or not. Yeah, but, but surely, John, finishing fourth or not? I mean, I mean, I assume we all agree that Conte's gone. Yeah, I mean, we all. I mean, you know, he finishes fourth, he finishes fourth. 
I, I, I just assume he's gone. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just get, you know, listen, it just hasn't worked. It's, it's, it's never seemed a particularly good fit. I don't think he's ever really settled back into managing not only a top number in the Premier League, um, a, 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 a team matter points as well from his personal situation. Obviously, you, you know, um, hopefully he is well on the men now, but obviously he's been poorly recently. So all those things do add up. You know, it, it makes sense. It, 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 you know, he, he exudes, you know, the type of guy who, who now maybe wants to go, wants to go home, and you don't blame him. It just hasn't worked. I mean, it just hasn't worked. And we can talk all we want about he's on about his vision again today, and you can talk about the investments in the players. You, you know, you can talk about I don't know the whole sorts of the mindset of the board. But in the end, this just hasn't worked, and now it's a question of who comes in. Well, you know whose uh, name they were charting in the concourses last night after the game. Pochettino's again. And interesting that Danny Rose quote is is straight from Pochettino's book. That's just one of his phrases he used to use about new house and no furniture. So uh, Danny Rose didn't seem to listen very much to him at the time, but he obviously was picked up a bit more. What we thought, Matt? Should he go back? Should Pochettino go back? I'll lay my hands on the table. Lay me cards on the table here. I really like Pochettino, as Andy, Andy will know and testify. I think he's, I think he's super, you know. But I've got to say, I think it would be such a mistake to go back because the squad's not as good, and therefore, you know, you can't possibly replicate. I don't think what he did before with this team, and then you're always going to be measured against the standards of getting to the Champions League final. That's, you know, that's a pretty high. That's a pretty high bar to get to compared to where Spurs are right now. I think, just picking up on the, the, the squad's not as good, they've still got a World Cup golden boot winner, a World Cup winning captain, another World Cup winner in Romero, the best player in Asia, um, with the Brazilian number nine. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Mitchellison's been, you know... Uh, I, I'm not saying they're playing the best football. Pons has been an absolute disaster this season. And, 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 and frankly, you know, Romero has been the absolute has had an absolute stinker since the World Cup. You know, I don't know whether he's living off of reputation. I mean, last night was stupidity. So I'm sorry, but I can't can't accept that. I'll give you Harry Kane, but it's just, you know. But what I'm saying is the calibre of the player, John, is there still. Well, let's look at the previous squad. Lloris, two, two sensational fullbacks, brilliant centre-halves, Dembele midfield, Christian Eriksen. You know, Son at his best playing well. Harry Kane, Deli Alley, absolute at his peak. That squad, that, that squad, miles ahead of this one. Yeah, that's the squad he left. But if you look at what Bochettino took over, it was Nasa Chadley and um, players of that ilk that he basically, with his five-year plan, built a team that he took to the uh, Champions League final. Um, the expectations gone through the roof. And he's going to need some time to to run and and get things sorted because all those players that I've mentioned earlier are many of them are ripe for change because they're they're not not at the the top of their game anymore. But uh, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Fundamentally, I agree with you. I think it would be a mistake because I don't think magic works twice very often. Just yeah, there, there's so many his yeah in history, so many occasions where managers have gone back to, to reignite the uh, the fires and have found it's, it's all gone horribly wrong. Um, I think what Spurs need is a manager who can bring some life into the club, which that's what Pochettino did initially. He brought some energy to the club 
and uh, and and a bit of spirit. It's like Arteta's managed to do just down the road at Arsenal. He needs that kind of buzz, like Klopp brought to Liverpool. It's the, and and Ten Hag seems to have brought to Manchester United. That's the buzz they want because at the moment they're a bunch of desperate individuals trudging through, earning their wages, tur- turning up, doing their thing, and there just doesn't seem to be any sort of energy or drive about the whole thing. And Pochettino will bring that, whether that would be enough to satisfy the new expectations of White Hart Lane. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, I hope he he comes back because it'd be great for us. Um, I think it'd be a misstep for him because the pressure's going to be on him even higher to um, to win trophies. So, uh, uh, so yeah, we'll wait. But I mean, certainly I think he's going to wait until the summer before deciding where he's he's going next. So um, I don't think he'll be, he'll be in any time soon. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I have to say that the next Couple of games, Andy, will be interesting for Manchester United, won't it? Uh, uh, after the fallout from Anfield, I mean, it was just astonishing. You couldn't quite believe what you were watching—the um, seven-goal demolition. And you know, how does how do United react? How does Eric Ten Hag react? Did you did you like what he said yesterday? Um, you, you know, he's back, Fernandez, isn't he? And you know, he's back to his players basically. But wow, there's some serious fallout, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, 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 it's relatively quickly they can they can react because they've got you know a big game tonight against Real Betis. I'll be popping along there later, and I'll be intrigued to see how they um, how they do um, respond to that defeat at Anfield. Listen, I think for now, I think um, Ten Hag said the right things. I don't, I don't listen. He's not going to throw no matter what you make of Bruno Fernandes antics. You know, I mean, it's not as if they came as a surprise. I mean, he's been doing that for you know well ever since he got here. Hasn't he? Like, you know that that is him. I mean, that is part of the package, whether you happen to like it or not. Some people don't. Some people aren't that offended by it. Ted Hogg was never going to throw Bruno Fernandes under the bus yesterday, was he? As Marcus Rashford, who also spoke yesterday, was not going to. Um, I quite like what he said. You know, listen, I think you do get, you know, the idea that it's a, um, that can be a bit of a freak result. It was a bit freakish, wasn't it? You know, I mean, I've seen freak results recently. You know, in the last few years, I saw Aston Villa score seven past Liverpool. At Villa Park, you know, and and it was it was freakish. Basically, it was it was every time he went forward, they scored. And I assume it was pretty much the same um, last Sunday. Again, I wasn't there last Sunday, but um, um, it looked that way from what I from what I saw of it. Um, they've got you know they've got a good squad that can, can rebound from that. I don't. I mean, this he's not he's not a guy to flap, is he? He's not a guy to get. I think you know he, he has said, which is quite a common mantra. And he said, I think last time I, I saw him after the game, um, maybe I think it was the Carabao Cup, and he basically said, you know, again, which is a common sort of managerial mantra, that he's not going to get too carried away by um, a success, and he's not going to get too carried away by a defeat. 
you know, now that was some defeat. I mean, that was some defeat. But I don't think it will it will derail them dramatically. I think that, I think they'll probably win tonight. Um, and, I, you know, I think they'll win more than they lose in the Premier League. What it did show, fundamentally, it did show, and I do think this, is that what it did show is that it is still, for all the talk of United's renaissance, and they have done well under Ten Hag, it did show that there is still, when the top teams, the elite teams, the teams that they want to be contender with, we're talking Manchester City, we're talking Liverpool, we're talking Arsenal, they, at the moment, are a level above Manchester United. They play a different style of game for a start-off. Now, United managed to beat City in the most recent Manchester derby, but that was a little bit of a fluke in the sense that they got that outrageous decision when Rashford was offside and Fernandez scored equaliser. They also had about, you know, 30, 32, 33% possession in that game. At the moment, they have a way of playing. Tenag has found a way of playing against the big teams, which sometimes works, which is basically not to have the ball. It's to hit them on the counter-attack, and they're normally very good at that. Didn't work around the field on, on Sunday quite spectacularly. But he has to find a way going forward of actually playing a game where they can actually try and dominate teams, even dominate teams, the big six teams. They can't do that at the moment. And I do think what Sunday showed was demonstrated, albeit in a quite freakishly spectacular way, it showed that they are still still got quite a gap to bridge to these established elite teams of the past decade. I'm talking Liverpool and Manchester City in particular, and probably to Europe's elite teams. That's what it showed. But in the short term, I don't I don't envisage them having some sort of hangover where they where they, they go on some sort of losing run and lose all confidence. I do think it was that bad. They can genuinely just say, well, I mean, forget that one, gone. It's like a golfer. A golfer can, can, can shoot 67, 68, 64, and then he can go out one round and he can shoot 84. And then it won't affect him because he just knows that's a round when everything went wrong, when he three-putted, when he shanked one, when they hit something and ricocheted the other way. He can do that. Sorry, sorry for the golf reference. Yeah, you're speaking in a language I don't understand. The 84 shanking, the three round or weird 30 references, which frankly, yeah, I nearly nodded off. That it is an interesting, interesting one. I, I have to say, Matt, who, who would you, who would you choose as your next Manchester United captain if you were Eric Ten Hart? It's yeah, that's a difficult one because, like you say, you've got to have the character. I, I'm never being convinced. Uh, by Bruno Fernandes is the sort of character you want. Um, <laughs> at the moment, the the, the, pl- the player that's shown remarkable qualities and leadership qualities in so many fields, and then you wonder whether he's ready to step up for it, is Rashford. The only trouble you've got with that is he has had periods when he's gone out of form. And, uh, you know, short of a, a, a ready-made United captain, he could be a figurehead, and it could be, could be the making of him. But it can also he had a whole load of extra pressure on his head. And if he stops scoring, that's what United need him for: is scoring goals. So, but uh, I think he'd be be a good choice. Um, yeah, I mean, it is the problem that you sort of look through that team. Um, you know, there, there are a few candidates that almost seem ready, but there's no, there's no ready-made sort of fit, which is I think the problem Ten Hag's got, and why he's. He's kind of got there. If, if Maguire was playing, you could see why he would be a leader. But uh, you know, I think I think the whole nonsense of a club captain who's not good enough for the team it kind of 
it's it's a cheap honour, I think. I don't know how much players respect that or like him. Unless there's a particular reason why they're not in the team, um, then then I think he should be given to somebody who's capable of leading by example as as well as by word and and doing it week in week out. But but no, I think a decision has to be made. A permanent decision has to be made in the summer. Yeah, let's 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 see. Be interesting, Andy. How, how much importance do you put on Chelsea's win over Dortmund? You know, just what four days after beating Leeds? Oh, I mean, enormously important. Absolutely, I mean, crucial. I mean, so crucial. I mean, they're through now to the last stage of the Champions League um, um, the, the the season, and it, it it's it's. I mean, listen, it it's not an achievement in the sense of putting the context of of you know the frequency with which they reach that sort of stage and other big clubs do. It's what you would expect. It is, you know, I mean, a, a last day finish, a last day slot in the Champions League is what, is what you would, you, you would, you would count as like, you know, the, 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 the accepted standard part of the course. It, it, it's, but in the context of what's been happening with Graham Potter and the results in, in, in domestically, then it's absolutely massive. It's absolutely massive. It, 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 it's almost tempting to say, I mean, it felt that big. It, it is almost tempting to say that, you know, it's kept them there until the start of next season. You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that is probably that. It's probably given him enough grace now where, you know, we all, we, we all understand that Potter's job is so fundamentally difficult because you are integrating a whole sort of, you know, a whole spectrum of players, whole mishmash of, of, of different buys. And that's going to take some time. It's also going to take some time. If you employ a coach who you think, you know, in the, this great sort of terminology is going to come and impose a long-term philosophy, well, then he needs longish term. Now, that couldn't go on if you kept on losing. You know, in the meanwhile, you needed to win the odd game. Now, to win this game in particular was absolutely crucial. That gives him now, I think, I think that gives him and it gives Todd Bowley in particular the chance to say, listen, okay, we'll come this far now. Listen, let's have a crack at the last day to see what the draw is. But this gives you the grace now to work during the summer to, to, to get a more structured approach, you know, which players, you know, because let's face it, Chelsea are going, after what they did in the January transfer window and the end of the last transfer window, they are going to have to sell players this summer. They are going to have to unload a lot of players. We'll then see maybe more of an idea of the squad the, the Graham Potter wants. You know, every league coach will tell you, every league coach will tell you that they don't particularly like huge, sprawling squads. They don't, you know. Pep Guardiola, he has a great depth of riches in the sense that he has 19 players who are world-class, basically. I mean, you know, that's what. He likes that. He doesn't want 25 who are, you know, some who are world-class, some who are not, some he doesn't quite, not quite sure about. He wants 19 players that he can trust. And I think that's what you'll see with Potter. He'll have to do in the summer. Get that squad together as Graham Potter's squad. And I think, I genuinely believe that that results against um, Dortmund and now what could be, of course, further progression in the Champions League gives him until the start of next season. I really do. Yeah. But Matt, I guess it's important that they carry on that momentum, isn't it? They go to Leicester, don't they, this weekend. And, you know, but the signs, are, the, the signs are good. What really impressed me about Stamford Bridge the other night was the fans. You know, I mean, they've been... They've been Disquiet and unhappy and frustrated at times this season, you know, voice their concerns, you know, this sort of kind of thing. I've been out even for Potter, but absolutely fair play to them. 
you know, really backed the team, backed the manager, backed the, you know, backed the win, basically, didn't they, really? And, and, and that, that, you know, felt like a moment to me. It felt like a turning point. And I just wonder how important that will be, you know, that, that sort of approach will be as they go to Leicester. Yeah, well, that'll help, uh, Graham Potter. But, well, we were both there. We, I think we we disagreed over the penalty, um, albeit I think either side of a very narrow line, you you wouldn't have given it. I marginally would have done, but it's got to be one of the softest penalties given by a VAR. Um, and then to have the encroachment thing go for you, it just seemed like everything slotted into place for them. So let's not let it disguise the fact that Chelsea aren't exactly flying at the moment. They've not suddenly clicked into place they need to keep that momentum going against Leicester to get some belief that they can do something that the Potter's vision for the club is working but I agree with Andy that this cements the fact that uh, the owners can keep him in place over the summer and give him next season when chances are he'll be having midweeks um, at Cobham because he won't be going anywhere in Europe um, and, and that's supposed to be the acid test of Graham Potter the, the training ground manager the trouble is, we'll only find out whether he's the real deal and whether he can do that job come October, November time when you look at the league table. And it's either the the, the sort of brilliance that saw Chelsea win the title the year after coming 10th, or it's another season of waste for a very expensive squad. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it has all Potter that time. Uh, and whether that's a good thing for Chelsea or a bad thing, we'll, we'll find out in about six months' time. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I must say, I hope he succeeds. To be honest, because I just think it would be such an important sign for English managers, and also quite a nice guy. I, um, you know, and it's not, you know, I just think it's nice to see the nice guys do well. Isn't it? Is he nicer than Posh? He's nicer than nicer than Posh. Caught in the nice off scale of niceness. Tell you what, that is a that is a that is a demanding nice off. That is, um, I I. With apologies, with apologies to Graham, I actually I, I, probably might edge Potch in the niceness scale, really. So it's a tight one. Just, just going back to where on that game, and Matt did bring up that penalty there, um, and and clearly, yeah, um, Emery Chan understandably was um, was that absolutely um, livid after the game about it. But I did like their their coach's reaction. He didn't make a big deal of it, did he? I mean, not at all. Didn't, didn't make a, a big deal of it whatsoever. I, I just imagine if that had gone against both the penalty and the encroachment decision, um, if that had gone against one of the top English teams, a Manchester City, a Liverpool, I mean, I think we might have saw Guardiola, Guardiola and Klopp have slightly different reactions to um, to what the Borussia Dortmund got. You're right. It was very measured, very level, and basically he sort of kind of, you know, listen... Uh, it, Dortmund came, they lost Brand early early on, and Brand, you know, has undoubtedly been, you know, one of their stars of the season, if not their best player this season. So that that was a blow. But Frank, you know, mitigating circumstances. I think fundamentally, it, I took his point to be, but actually, we didn't do ourselves justice. It's on us, you know? And I admired, really admired that. Talking of which, guys, just I, know, I know you boys are right driving this, and I've been driving this bandwagon for a long, long time. Um, I'm not saying I'm not on it, but I'm, I'm just not at the wheel of it. Um, Bellingham, how would we think he did? You're not at the wheel. I thought you changed. I thought I thought we could start singing Andy's at the wheel. 
I've nothing to do. I'm, I'm, I'm oddly, I'm sort of probably in a, I'm probably in the back, belt up in the back, with the backs of Cheetos while you boys drive it. You know you're the designated driver, Grossy. Well, I have been. I, I, I just thought I thought it was interesting. I, I, I was, I was watching Bellingham, you know, and, and I thought, in the in the England game against France, I thought he allowed himself to be distracted by a few things. You know, I, I thought he allowed himself to. A few decisions didn't go against. A few decisions appeared to go against him in that um, World Cup quarterfinal. And I think it affected his game. And I think it was similar. I thought it was similar against Chelsea. I thought he, he, he allowed himself to get distracted. He got a couple of tackles that I thought were a little bit naughty. I don't know, I'm just, you know, just an observation. I, th- I think it's very tempting just to, just to, just to, you know, take it for granted that, and quite rightly, you know, he is, you know, a world star, et cetera, et cetera. You're putting your, I mean, some people put in their World Cup Select 11. Well, most of you guys put him in the World Cup Select 11. But I just thought that, you know, is it, it, he the finished article? Are the things that, I'm sure he'd be the first to say, that are things that he can improve on. I just thought that when we talk about, you know, teams are going to go to whatever it costs and everyone wants him, it's probably correct. But I think you'll look at that and you'll think, well, you know, I'm not saying we'll have reservations, but I still think there's a lot of room for, for improvements. He'd probably agree. Yeah, I, I I I don't disagree with that. I think he's he's fabulous, as you know, and basically he's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, I just thought the other night he was quite subdued, wasn't he? That that big strapping on his left knee, you know, which isn't a neat racing to add. Um, uh, it, it you know would would worry me a little bit if I were going to Southgate, but um, England's will announce next week. Um, but I just I just think he's he's. World Cup has earned him a starting berth for England when when fit and when available. I thought I thought he came got better in the game in the last twenty minutes or so when he was trying to drive forward and sort of force something for for Dortmund. But it's it's a really interesting one this, this dynamic, isn't it? Because you know I was at the press conference on the Monday, and the Dortmund coach was very very clear saying that we wanted to you know he's. He's, he's chosen us over the Premier League once. We want him to stay, um, and hopefully he he will do that. And Dortmund are pushing hard, you know, to to basically give him a, a new contract, but for him to stay realistically for one more year before making the jump. And I have to say, if you know, it's clear who the clubs are, you know, are chasing. You know, Manchester City, Liverpool. Liverpool probably fill in the box seat. Real Madrid, but. You know, are any of those in absolutely compelling cases at the moment to to sign him this summer? He's been so mature, you know, and so sensible and strong and wise in his decision making so far to get him, you know, to this point. I mean, you know, make no mistake about it. He signed for Borussia Dortmund above, you know, ahead of others. Others weren't in the room effectively when he's made his choice, simply because he's just he's just gone. Well, Dortmund give young players an opportunity, and this is the right path for me. And so it's proved he's got it bang on the first time. He's got his timing right, you know. And and I just think that you know the decision making was perfect. And now he's he's got his next decision. You know, does he move to Liverpool potentially, or does he stay put for Dortmund? I tell you this, I do think whatever decision he makes will be the right one. I just think he's 
he's such an intelligent guy and, you know, he's got good people, you know, clearly talking to him. And basically, I just think he'll make the right decision for him. And and I think then that he'll continue that progression. It's easy to forget he's 19. And I just think, you know, wow, you know, he's got the world at his feet, whether he leaves this summer or the following summer, you know. And I just think... Pfft, He'll, he'll make he'll make the right call for Jude Bellingham, and 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 as a result, those improvements will quickly be bridged. I think. Enough of this my ode to Jude Bellingham and a, and a love love letter to him, but because um, we're going to get back to one of those potential suitors, Liverpool. Liverpool obviously buoyed by that incredible win last week and now they've got an opportunity you know to go to Bournemouth to really sort of kind of set a seal on on the top four place haven't they really do you, do you fancy them to go at Bournemouth and win uh, Matt? Yeah I think you have to fancy that only on the, the back of the 7-0 um, I don't think anyone would have think they've cracked it or, or anything um, it's, a, it's a place you've got to get yourself going and then, and then keep momentum going, but yeah, it's a straightforward three points. If you are serious about qualified for Europe, you've got to be mopping those points up. Uh, and I think they, they will do. Um, and because it's an early kickoff straight away, they're in the top four. Uh, and that's where they want to be. And that's where they're going to need to try and stay. So, so yeah, no, unfortunately for Bournemouth, I think that's a, a straightforward away win. Yeah. And did you see like that? And do you think Liverpool are favourites for top four now? I do think Liverpool are favourites top four. Um, I also, I think, I, yeah, I think they're probably stronger favourites than 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 their odds of the bookmakers at the moment would suggest, which is which is very unusual for bookmakers. To be honest, with you, I think they've got it slightly wrong. I think they should be a lot um, shorter odds to get top four. Um, you know, I, listen, I think it was only, and, and I've said this. I'm not just saying this with the hindsight of of that of that seven nil. Um, I I have said that I genuinely believe that Nunes. Darwin Nunes will be a fantastic signer for the club. Um, I wasn't, I have to say, I was never, I, I was not totally convinced about Gakpo, but I did, I have said many times, I think that any combination of Mohamed Salah, Gakpo, Nunes, Jota, Firmino, well, Firmino will, will um, leave at the end of the season, is a really, really potent competent, potent combination in the making. And so it proved that just all clicked last Sunday. I do. I think Nunes will be superb and Salah is superb. I mean, you know, Salah, you know, still remains to me probably the most, the best attacking player in the world right now um, for the last two or three seasons. So, yes, I think they'll finish top four. What I think is really interesting, really, really interesting, is that not only did they go to Bournemouth and they'll win at Bournemouth, I think they'll generally go to the Bear Bio next week, thinking they can pull off another miracle. I really do. I think they'll go there thinking they can score three, four, five. They they, they really will go there. Now, listen, it's obviously extremely unlikely to happen. Um, and their history against Real Madrid isn't great. And Real Madrid, with their um, um, attacking capabilities, you would expect them probably you know, you know to, to score a goal or two. However, I generally think they'll go there with. And with with renewed confidence, this will, I think, in terms of a boost to Liverpool, what is greater from that result last Sunday, the negative impact on Manchester United or the positive impact on Liverpool? I think it's the positive impact on Liverpool. 
is far outweighs, is far greater than the negative impact it will have on Manchester United. I think this will set them up. You know, they've got, I mean, clearly they've got no, no, no FA Cup commitments. Listen, I mean, in all likelihood, they're probably not going to have any Champions League commitments after Wednesday um, in Madrid. And if not, I, I still don't think that will derail them. I think they'll be hell-bent on having a, a swashbuckling end to this season. You know, I mean, Mohamed Salah, I, I don't think has never looked as motivated. I think he'll be looking to break. He's already broke the Liverpool Premier League record. He'll be looking to carry on like that. I, I genuinely think that they've been stung by by criticism. Senior players have been stung by the criticism. Show Virgil van Dijk has been really stung by some of the personal criticism of him. Ditto Alexander-Arnold, um, John Henderson, players like that. I think they'll have a barnstorming end to the season. And as I say, I genuinely would not rule out them pulling off something um, quite sensational in Madrid on Wednesday. Wow. Cool, that's some, that is some backing. No wonder, no wonder you're going, Danny. Yes, exactly, pal. You've got to build it up. No, you've got to build it up. Palace Man City. I mean, in the, I mean, Palace, wow. You know, Patrick Mira's men on a terrible run right now, aren't they? It's been a it's been a long time since they've they've, they've had enjoyed a win, and so you know any any chance of a city slip at Selhurst? Uh, yeah, I love going. I love going to Selhurst Park. I'm not getting there because no one loves getting there because it's the hardest ground. I live in Kent, so it's supposedly not far for me. But once you're there, it's a compact ground. Is where I saw my first ever game of football many many moons ago. But the atmosphere there is incredible. It's so intense for, for not the biggest ground in the Premier League. And for some reason, you know, you see big teams go there and struggle sometimes if Palace are on it. Um, they've not been on it recently, but then suddenly they'll pull a performance out of nowhere uh, and get a shock result. So the nice thing that you know about Palace is that when you, you know, there's always a chance of a story. Uh, and yeah, they've not been doing it recently, but. But the city are going to have to be careful. They're going to have to. Their A game is going to have to play for a start. Um, you know, I don't think Pep can afford to rest De Bruyne and uh, uh, you know that caliber of player um, uh, like he has done in the past in some of those games. Uh, and, and they're going to have to be watchful because yeah, there, there is an accident waiting to be happen every time you go there. Yeah, no, be interesting. Uh, Andy, Andy, let's let's finish on 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 perhaps. Uh, you know Arsenal, you know because they're sporting Lisbon tonight, and then they're back into the this sort of kind of Sunday Thursday grind, aren't they? What sort of impact do you think that could potentially have? Bearing in mind they they arguably face this sort of you could at the moment going on league position a tougher game on Sunday um, against Fulham. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, listen, the the the, the Thursday Sunday sort of grind. Um, I just think, you know, it's a mindset. I, I, I don't think it, it'll affect them in particular. I think, you know, listen, they're a young team. They're a young squad who look, you know, maybe there isn't the the depth to the squad that, that, that maybe some people think is attached to attached to City or attached to, you know, a, um, a couple of other teams. However, you know, I think it's an extremely young, energetic, um, athletic squad. Physically, they look more than capable of it. Mentally, I don't think the games can come thick and fast enough, to be honest with you, with, with the way things are going for them. You know, every game, Aaron Ramsdale was, I thought, was very, um, it was very, it was good insights into the mentality when he spoke about, you know, this idea that they're just enjoying it. They're, they're, they're sort of not, he 
wasn't imagining themselves as contenders. They were just going out and having their, you know, not having a laugh, but really, really enjoying the football. And that's the way it comes across at the moment. It's, that might change when the pressure builds and, and, and the finish line comes into view and the big pot comes into view and, 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 and you're ahead in the league. But no, I don't think it, it will particularly affect him adversely. It'll be interesting what Arteta does. I'm sure, you know, he'll rotate a little bit um, tonight and in and um, in the Europa League. But I, I think they can coach on. I really do. Listen, they've they they've defined. I I honestly think I look back now at Arsenal season already, and it's when you're in the cold light today. It's 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 quite remarkable, really. You think they you think of their defeats. Um, this season, the defeats in the Premier League. You know, I mean, really, there was the only one spectacular blip, the spectacularly bad performance, was the game in Everton, I mean, which I was at, which was, you know, a, 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 a day when they just did not turn up with the right attitude and, and were beaten by a team with a new manager. Apart from that, the game against Manchester United, they lost, they were, they more than matched United were quite unlucky. And obviously the game against City, they lost, well, probably deservedly in the end, but they certainly had their chances to actually win that game as well. So I just think they've shown a consistency throughout the season um, and athleticism throughout the season and endurance um, throughout the season that we'll see them fine through this. I really do. I wouldn't have, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't have no worries, but I wouldn't have serious concerns now. The other thing, John, um, in the last game, amongst the substitutes warming down at the end of the match, uh, was a certain Gabriel Jesus doing a full run out. Um, and that, just psychologically, the players seeing that, thinking, well, you know, if we've got that still to come. It's just to sort of boost that if they do have a slip up, we'll, we'll pick them up straight away. Yeah, absolutely. I do think his, his return could be big. Let's see. Right, guys. I'm, I'm off to be, you know, nice to absolutely everybody I meet and see all, all the rest of the day in this nice competition. Uh, I hope you all follow suit. So, um, yeah, nice seeing you both.